Thank you, you guys. It's awesome. Really appreciate that. And many of the things that were uh, sung today and uh, the, the, some of the words that were brought this morning are really uh, a confirmation of, I believe, what the Lord wants to say through the message today. So, um, yeah, the Lord is good. Uh, but while Charlene's away, I want to start with a story about Charlene. Since she... <laughs> uh, and so Charlene was born in Levin, um, grew up in a little Taranaki town called Okato. Her father worked in a cheese factory there. And then when she was eight, she came down to Wellington, uh, to the Hutt Valley. And by the way, if the Lord ever calls you to Wellington and you have a choice, uh, go to the anointed side of, of Haywoods Hill to Porirua and, um, but, you know, if he directs you to the other side, that's what it is. So Charlene, they ended up on the other side, Hutt Valley's side, uh, called Nainai, where she learned about squaring and crime and other things. And, um, and uh, one day when she was uh, a teenager, and I think her brother might have been a teenager or a young boy as well, there's three... Uh, three siblings, um, she was uh, asleep in bed and she kind of noticed a uh, kind of shadow in the door and turned over, didn't think about it, uh, went to sleep. Um, uh, then her brother woke up, went into the lounge and there was a um, mobster, a mongrel mob guy sleeping in the lounge and he'd come in in the night and he'd cooked himself a feed, uh, went in turned on the TV and it was back in the old days where, the, you know, the TV went off at what, midnight or something and so it's just and um, went to sleep. So her brother Eric goes into her parents, uh, their parents' bedroom and says, um, there's a mobster in the lounge, sleeping in the lounge. And my mother-in-law, my mother-in-law whom I love, Please record this, Malcolm. <laughs> my my mother-in-law, who I love deeply, goes into the lounge and informs Mr. Mungle Mob he had the wrong address. And he quickly ascertained the situation and knew he was in deep peril. And so if my mother-in-law thinks your time is up, at a particular place in her house, your time is up. And he quickly left because he was at the wrong address. And we've got a, a passage here today where the angel comes to Joseph. And Joseph could have been really forgiven for thinking, Mr. Angel, you got the wrong address. You got the wrong address. I'm just Joseph from Nazareth. And are you sure this is the guy you want to speak to? So let's read that passage, Matthew 1, 16 to 23. Matthew 1, 16 to 23. Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who is called the Messiah. Thus there were 14 generations in all, from Abraham to David, 
14 from David to the exile to Babylon, and 14 from the exile to the Messiah. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her father, was faithful uh, her husband, sorry, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had a mind to divorce her, but quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name of Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Lord, speak to us through your word today. And so the angel comes to Joseph in a dream. And Joseph could be forgiven for thinking that the angel had the wrong address. The angel says, Joseph, son of David. But we know from verse 16 that actually that was not his father. His father was Jacob. The angel says, Joseph, son of David. But his father was Jacob. Yeah, right. Physical father was Jacob, but what the angel is saying is, is uh, Joseph, his heritage, his faith, includes a bigger picture, a bigger story than he had realized. He thought he was just Joseph, son of Jacob, from a little town in Galilee, north. A carpenter slash builder. Just Joseph. But the angel comes and says, Joseph, son of David. This is bigger than you think. And God is including you in his big picture, his big story. The thing is, God has decided to include us in his big picture and his big story. And that's why the angel says, Joseph, son of David. All those messianic expectations, those saving expectations that were alongside David gets included into Joseph. The big picture. David, one of the great kings of Israel, Great rescuer, great savior. And this flow of history, this whakapapa of faith, includes Joseph now. And something special is going to happen. Because God includes us in his big picture, his big story. In fact, right from the start, in this gospel, Matthew 1, verse 1, it says, The book of the story of Jesus, the son of David the son of Abraham. 
the book of the story of Jesus, the son of David, the son of Abraham. God includes us. And the technical term for this is typology. That, they, that um, David was a type of Jesus. And Jesus was a type of David, like some of the others, like Moses, typology, a type. David foreshadows Jesus. David's a tester, a teaser, a whisper of what is to come in Jesus. And so this title, Joseph, son of David, includes in, includes us. And you are son of David, David from Bethlehem, Bethlehem. Beth means house and Lechem means bread. So you are a son of David from the house of bread. Like Jesus born in that town called the house of bread. And that baby would grow up and say this, John chapter 6, I am the bread of life. And I am the manna that came down from heaven. John 6.50. John 6.51. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. And the angel says to Joseph, actually Joseph, we said it figuratively, Joseph, I do have the correct address. I do have the correct address. You are the guy. I'm including you. I'm including us. I do have the correct address. You have a powerful uh, lineage, a powerful heritage, and a powerful future. And who would have guessed from that baby, from that baby, to present day, this is now 31% of the world's population, 2.3 million of the world's population affiliate with that religion, the religion of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? Amazing. From that little baby, from the house, that town called the House of Bread, nine kilometers out of Jerusalem. That's incredible. And you see that God includes us humans in his great plans for the world. If we will obey him. And Joseph sees this angel in a dream, changes the course of his life. There's no description, actually, of what that angel looks like. But that's not important. The important thing is what the angel says. He's, the angel says, take Mary home. Don't divorce her. Don't be afraid. Bring up that child as your own. Give him the name Jesus. God includes us in his plans. Secondly, God is with us. God is with us. Keatato, Teatu, Emmanuel, Emmanuel. God is with us. Verse 23. This is a summary statement of Luke that God is with us from this passage. It's very important because for those 400 years coming up to this point, it actually didn't feel like that God was with them. That was traumatic 400 years from Malachi 
to the time of Jesus. They call it uh, 400 years of silence. It seemed like God was not speaking at all. There's no prophet after Malachi. And not only was God silent, it seemed like he was, was blind and deaf as well. There had been terrible things that had happened uh, uh, to the nation of Israel. The Greeks had invaded. The Egyptians had invaded. The Syrians had invaded. And then uh, the Romans in 63, 63 BC. For example, uh, Epiphanes, 167 BC. He came in. He came into the, right into the temple and right into the Holy of Holies, got a pig and sacrificed the pig on the, on the altar of the Holy of Holies to the God of Zeus. Imagine that. Imagine that. Really? Is God with us? Is God with us? Because it doesn't feel like it. 63 BC, the Roman general Pompey, uh, sorry, Pompey, took three months to capture Jerusalem. Then he, he, uh, one of the ways he did it, he brought up the, the siege ramps on the Sabbath because the Jews wouldn't fight on the Sabbath unless they're in grave danger. So he's clever, brought up the, the ramps on the Sabbath, then attacked the city, and he too came right into the temple, right into the Holy of Holies with an armed escort. And once again, um, desecrated the temple. God is with us. Really? Really? Is God really with us? Or has God left us? Has he forgotten us? Has he really forgiven us? Because it doesn't feel like it. But as Luke investigated all these things of the stories of Jesus and had interviews and, and covered the stories and wrote them down, he comes up with this phrase, Emmanuel, God is with us, which is, echoes Isaiah 7.14. Isaiah 7.14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Again, it, it echoes that, that thought, angel, have you got the right address have you got the right address? Because it doesn't feel like he's with us. But here he is. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Word became flesh and dwelt among us. John 1 verse 14. And that word, the original word dwelt means to tent or to camp. And Jesus came and camped among us. Uh, and not only, not only is the baby here with us, chapter 1, 23, at the beginning, the very last thing, the very last thing in the story of Jesus, Matthew 28, 20, Jesus says this, I will always be with you. He was with us right at the start of the story. And right at the end, he said, I'll always be with you. Always be with you. Always be with you. So God includes us. God is with us. And lastly, verse 21, God saves us. You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins. Mehua e koe 
tona ingoa ko ihu no te mea mana whakaora tona iwi i o rato hara. He will save his people from their sins. Like Zechariah told to name his son a particular name. Joseph told to name this boy, not Joseph Jr., but Jesus, Yeshua, because he will save his people from their sins. Savior, Savior. He saves his people, not just individuals, but he creates a people, a community of faith. He saves a people. And he saves his people from their sins. Verse 21, sin was a big problem. Not just that the Greeks had invaded, that wasn't the biggest problem. Not just that the Egyptians had invaded Israel, that was not the biggest problem. Not that the uh, Syrians had invaded, that was not the biggest problem. Not just that the Romans had invaded and still hadn't left, that wasn't the biggest problem. The biggest problem was sin. That's our biggest problem, sin. And that's why the 400 years silence was broken with the coming of John the Baptist, like an Old Testament prophet. And his message was for the people to turn to repent from their sins. Came out of the wilderness and started preaching, turn from your sins. Sin was the big problem. Sin is the big problem. And that's why Christmas and Easter are linked. The crib and the cross are linked. The baby's crib of Jesus and the cross of Jesus. And in the last meal with his disciples, Jesus says, Matthew 26, 28, This is my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. You know, many people think Jesus came to help them, to offer some life hacks, some uh, good tips, good suggestions for life with health and wealth and family, etc. And if that was the case, uh, his name would have been called the Suggester, not Emmanuel, not Saviour, not not Jesus, not Yeshua. He didn't come just to help. He came to save, to save. Jesus came to save. <clears throat> uh, probably about 25 years ago, we were on a beach. I think it was West Auckland, big long beach, and there was uh, lots of people, summer's day, and a really big flash ute. And... Um, Guy was driving it, and then he was doing fancy things, and it was like brand new. And then he got stuck. He had his family with him, and it, and it bogged down a bit in the sand. And he, so he revved it, and it got further into the sand. And he tried harder, and it got worse and worse. And um, the family were trying to help. Then uh, bystanders tried to come and help, and people tried to get stuff to fill up the hole and push and uh, he was revving it. It was just getting worse. And then I uh, realized the, ex the tide was coming in. And uh, 
At that stage, he didn't need a helper. He needed a saviour. And then one guy came and he clicked the ute into four-wheel drive. <laughs> and whoop, he was out. We don't need a helper. We don't need helpers. We need a saviour for our sin. Hey, the crib and the cross. The crib leads to the cross. We're going to finish uh, with this. And uh, this, our prayer, the sinner's prayer. And then we're going to sing that uh, song. Thank you. Let's stand up. Let's say it together. <clears throat> Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I ask for your forgiveness. I believe Jesus Christ is your son. I believe that he died for my sin and that you raised him to life. I want to trust him as my saviour and follow him as Lord from this day forward. Guide my life. Help me to do your will. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. And um, if anyone has said this, Jesus, uh, for the first time, or said it and it's meant something this time, Lord, that you would uh, keep working in them. Make this day one in the new life. And help us, to, your people, help us to remember uh, what you have done for us, that you are our saviour. You are our saviour. We thank you for that. Honour, praise to your name.